It's Tuesday, October 12th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who believes Dan Levy's getting just a little annoying, J.P. Shadrick. I, I don't I don't get that one, but welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. That's Joe Fortunato. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We have a show ahead of us today. It's called Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday afternoon. A final look, thank goodness, at the Titans and the Jaguars, 37-19. Let's get this thing out of here. And our first look at week six at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in North London. The Jaguars host the Miami Dolphins. It will be the Jaguars' first appearance at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium after the previous seven games in London have been at Wembley. Everybody was off from the International Series last year, and they're back at it. The final London game this week. They played one there last week, the Jets and the Falcons. Then at 5 o'clock, the Urban Meyer Show at 5 o'clock with head coach Urban Meyer joining us on the Jaguars radio network. Jeff Lagerman in with us, as always, on Jaguars Happy Hour on this Tuesday. It's 0-5 logs. It's 20 in a row mm-hmm. logs. That's the third longest losing skid in league history, it's unfortunately. Bad, bad enough that uh, losing on all that front but then i don't even get the open so i mean like i'm over one on yeah, the show you were the same way you didn't get totally that? over my head joe uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to try to explain this but i don't know if he even wants it right now yeah I, I, it's, it's uh, eugene levy's son dan who levy. is who, who no you don't know who eugene levy oh see now no i don't either you don't even get what, it. what year is this i don't either talking about how do you guys not know who Eugene Levy is? Uh, was he a, what, what, well, tell me who he is and I'll tell you. The dad in American Pie. Okay. And if you said the dad in American Pie, I'd be like, okay, I know the okay. guy. Okay. His, his son is in a show named Blank, Blank Creek. Creek. Got it. Okay. And But he's in every commercial that's out there now. Okay. You don't watch much television. No, do I don't. No, sorry. That's I, me either. No, I'm in radio. This is a radio program. Radio Land. I needed a haircut. I appreciate that, Joe. <laughs> so let's get to football, <laughs> shall we? Um, oh, we could continue talking about that if you want. The way things have gone the last couple of weeks around here, but I thought we were going to talk about the other creek, the one you're up sometimes. Yeah, well, that's the show's <laughs> name. Is that? Um, so hey, you know. Didn't go well at all last week. Defensively, communication issues. Offensively, had some moments, but you know it was a mixed bag of the goal line situation. They had a throwing touchdown, a quarterback sneak. They were that fourth and three inches to go that everybody's talked about. All of that happened last week, and you know it, it just no, feels and a like, bad start. Yeah, bad start. Bad there, start. There's, there's a. I mean, and I think that's the one thing that you know, as you start to progress through the season, you like to start to get certain questions answered. I mean, that's, you know, part of improving as a football team. You know, you get better, okay, we're working on this part of it. And there are some things that I think are improving and things that are getting answered. For example, the tight end situation with the Jaguars, I think it's much improved from where we were at all the way back in the offseason. We were going, holy cow, they couldn't find somebody to to get better at that position. But I think the combination of the guys that they have now, I think it's good. But the turnovers continue on. Uh, there's questions about personnel adjustments. There's questions about uh, play calling. There's questions about the communication level on the defense. Uh, the second half performance still 
kind of is lingering as a big question uh, to the point where your turnover differential in the third quarter is minus 42. I mean, that's that's a staggering number. I mean, so a lot of these things you want to start to see minimized and disappear, and I think that's one of the things that makes you go, okay, you want to maybe really do a deep evaluation of this and say, okay, are are things going the way we want them to go? And I think that Urban Meyer's got his hands full right now. A lot of questions. You mentioned the, the word question about seven times there. That's never good with that many questions. Well, no, I mean, that's, that's my point is that, you know, yeah. and look, at, you're a young team and you're rebuilding the organization and you really don't have a whole lot of draft equity helping you along. That's the reality. And that's difficult to overcome because, look, scheme is great. Coaching matters. Players matter the most. And when you've got great players, you can win a lot of football games. When you don't have great players, it's hard to win. Let's hear from a guy that we really think could be a great player. He's already on his way. It's quarterback Trevor Lawrence after the game on Sunday. It's not gone well so far, obviously. He knows that. He's the first to admit it. But he does know it's a long season ahead. Can't get desperate. You know, you got to you gotta just keep going to work. And uh, we're going to win some games. We're going we're gonna to turn it around. And, you know, we all thought today was the day we are going get, to get that first win. And, and it wasn't. You know, we didn't execute enough down the stretch. But um, we're going to figure it out. And we're going to turn this thing around. It's going to be a lot of fun when we do. But, yeah, I mean, locker room. We, we want to win and all the guys we got so many hard workers and everyone's so invested you know it's not it's not a team where you, know, you got guys that aren't really committed or don't care I mean everyone everyone's all in so just always feels like he's he's got an answer he's got the answer he's got the right answer and well, that's the guy you want to go to work with he's very mature and I think when you it's easy to be a winner you know it's easy to be a front runner but it's always more difficult to handle in times of difficulty and times of stress. And, and I think he's handled himself marvelously. And look, nobody, you don't want to have a good loser. <laughs> and you can tell that it bothers him and, and it matters to him. And he's working incredibly hard, but he's got almost a level of wisdom that's beyond his years. You know, what I mean, when I was 22, man, I had, I would have had zero chance of having the composure that he has. And I, and I think that this is part of the reason why many people viewed him as a generational prospect. And one of the reasons why he's probably been so incredibly successful throughout his t- entire life, going all the way back to Little League, I guess. So I, I feel really good about him. And because you've heard so many different times and through the years about high draft pick quarterbacks and, and the prospect of losing them. You know what I mean by that, right? Wasting the opportunity with them. Well, what, right? what I mean by that is that a lot of teams have a, there's different philosophies on a young player. Do you play him right away? Do you let him sit and learn? And many people say that you can ruin a young quarterback if he ends up not having any success early on and, and all he does is get beat up physically and mentally in every other way. This young man is clearly prepared to handle this from, from the get-go, and I, and I think that makes him incredibly special as a, as a player yeah. because it takes a certain psychology, psychiatric way to handle that. I mean, it, 
I mean, you're the face of the franchise, and you're trying to turn things around, and you're dealing with something that you've never had to deal with, but he's just handled it incredibly well. And the best part that I love about him is that sometimes with young quarterbacks, you see how it affects them, and that all of a sudden they take a, a almost a step back sometimes because they have some failures, and then they lack confidence, and they're not sure, mm-hmm. and then they start maybe trying it a different way. Maybe they start pressing, and then and, – you don't see any of that with him. He's still the same calm quarterback in the pocket. The way his body works in the game is still really strong. You know, the more experience he gets and the better they get around him, the better he's going to be. And I have nothing but confidence that this is a future star in the making. Just go play. Be patient with him and um, continue week to week to see some improvement here or there and step up the ladder. And you just got to make sure on. that you do the right things yeah, around them. That's right. And because if, if you don't, then it's hard for anybody to have success. You know, you got to have the pieces in place. Uh, one of those uh, pieces and some of those pieces around him have changed since the season has started, of course. The offensive line has a couple injuries now. There's a big injury at wide receiver with DJ Chark down for a, a while. So some new faces coming in. One of those new faces is tight end Dan Arnold, who spoke with the media today. He had six catches in last week's game, his second game with the team. He's been around the block a time or two, at least for a few years in the NFL, and feels like he can help a young quarterback settle in. It's a good week of practice, and that's, that's kind of what gives you the confidence more than anything to be able to do that. Um, and it, I think having a little bit longer time just to kind of um, work with, you know, the tight end coach, everybody with the offense coordinators, and, um, and a lot, you know, with Trevor as well, just kind of iron out details of like, okay, this is what you're thinking on this route, or, um, you know, this is where you're going to expect me. Just kind of, there's little nuances that are different with each offense, and uh, just trying to get him as comfortable as possible because, you know, this is his first year in this in this craziness of the NFL. Um, and there's a lot that goes into it and something I noticed. And, you know, trying to give him pointers and every, everything that I can as well, um, stuff I've picked up from other quarterbacks that I've been with that have been successful, you know. Um, but just having that good week of practice, I think, more than anything helps. You know, a lot of that stuff is uh, things you would think of doing in – training camp you know off-season program figuring that out he wasn't around here though of course he was in Carolina got traded in a couple of weeks ago and and here you are and you know he's been around since 2018 he was with the Saints in his first uh, year in his career so working with some big time names there of course Arizona a part of 19 and New Orleans and then Arizona in 2020 that was his best campaign as a tight end and then started with Carolina this year in three games there for the Panthers before coming over here so he's as he said you see a few different quarterbacks, different ways to go about it. A lot of success. Drew Brees was in New Orleans at that point. Uh, Kyle Murray's first year in. I mean, that's those are some uh, some guys who can do it at a high level. First of all, the school that he came from, Wisconsin Platteville. Yes, help me out with that. Okay. It's in Wisconsin. Like it's in the town like of Platteville. Dub is is big time college football. Yeah, it's Division three. It's Division three. Yes. Okay, so he comes from a small school. He bounces around a little bit. He's learning the process. And uh, from what I understand, he was a uh, a hurdler at some point yep. in his past. I mean, so he's got some athleticism to him, obviously. And uh, from the first time he stepped on the field in Cincinnati, he made you take notice because he has a speed and a suddenness about him 
that is just different than most of the tight ends the Jaguars have had recently, and that's impressive. To go from a couple catches in the Cincinnati game in a matter of a couple days to, uh, what is it, uh, maybe a, a, a week and a half later, all of a sudden he ends up with, what did he have, like five or six catches in this past game. Six. Six catches in a game. Uh, credit to him to learning the system so quickly. And then also Tyler Bowen, his tight ends coach, who I'm sure worked tirelessly with him at teaching him. And I like him. I mean, I, 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 I said this earlier today. I'm going to say it again. If you traded him for C.J. Henderson straight up right now, you got the better part of that deal. Hmm. I'm standing by Even that. After I mean, if, nine games, if you, first if you, draft. If, I'm just saying at, at, at this point, at this point, yeah. Productivity, production for this team. What were you getting with CJ? What are you getting out of this out of this young man? Yeah, well, I mean, he's on the field, he's making catches. On the field, making catches. Yeah. And uh, CJ, first of all, had a hard time getting on the field. Correct. And at times he looked good, and at times, more times than not, he looked disinterested. And so, uh, and the other thing that was kind of interesting to me is that the Carolina Panthers. They get C.J., and then they turn around and trade for another great corner from the New England Patriots. Gilmore, yeah. So you, it makes you wonder, did – Because they had a corner that got banged up. Well, I know that. And J.C. Horn. But did, did – did, did I mean, because they traded for J.C. Horn, that's part of the reason why they yeah, got C.J. That's right. So did they look at C.J. for a week or two and go, well, it's not really what we were expecting, and then they worked the trade for Stephon Gilmore? Well, I mean, this goes back, know. you know, it's it's – for this conversation and this point of the season, yes. I mean, it's a, it would be nice if he can continue to contribute at this pace. Dan Arnold, right? I like what he's doing. I like his athleticism. I like his speed. And I think one thing that we haven't seen yet that at some point we're going to see, we're going to see him in a vertical aspect yeah. threaten defenses, and we haven't really seen that yet. And that's what this offense has lacked. They haven't – you know, Chark's not there. Um, Jamal Agnew's average catch number last week was like eight yards. He had a bunch of catches, but, he, I mean, as long, it was like eight. Well, that was the one thing I mean, that they all short. the coaching staff talked about many times throughout the preseason was, you know, speed on the field. And right now this offense doesn't have a vertical aspect that is threatening defenses, and I think that certainly is having an impact. Yeah, listen to these numbers. You know, uh, Dan Arnold, six catches, 64 yards, a little over 10 yards, just under 11, long of 18, not bad. Which is about typical for a tight, tight end. Tight end numbers. Yep. That's a first down every time he catches. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agnew, six catches, 41 yards, 6.8 average, long of eight. Austin, five for 54. Okay, long of 22 in there. Uh, Chenault had the one with a long run after it. Um, and then that's kind of what it is. They don't have any true – I mean, it's a catch and run for Chenault. Well, you, you, don't, know? you, you don't, you're not having a lot of uh, yards per catch numbers that are up in, in a higher echelon of wide receivers in the league. And I think two reasons you can go about getting that. One – you throw passes that are deeper, mm-hmm. but then also you have an electric receiver yes. that once they catch it, they get yak, yards after catch. And right now, the guy that is getting what – I mean, and I don't know this – I don't know the exact numbers, but from the eye test, it's LaVisca Chenault Jr. is the one who's really getting the yards after catch, you know, physically running through guys, et cetera. But the rest of them right now, it's a catch and – and that's about it. You know, they're not doing much with it. I'd like to see that improve. Then you got to win down the field a little more, too, to get open to begin with. Well, I think that was one of the things that I, th- I thought 
from watching some of the game film that they didn't do a great job with against uh, Tennessee. Tennessee was not afraid to play man, and when they played man, they covered them up really well. And that's yeah. you know when you when you get a team that's playing you man like that, and I think that's one of the reasons why Lavisca didn't have a lot of targets, didn't have a, a big number, is because that's the one thing uh, he he does exceptionally well in a zone type situation. And man, he doesn't have the great speed, and I think he's still learning how to to gain the separation in the route running part. That he doesn't get that great separation, and when you get facing man, a quarterback wants to see separation to throw the ball. When we return, logs, we'll get to the Jags' defense last week. Communication changes on the field, and maybe some issues with some of those communication changes. We'll hear from Caleb on Chazon as well. He had his arguably his best career game last week against Tennessee. And coming up at 5 o'clock, the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Hard Rock Sportsbook Digital Network. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by DreamFinders Homes, homes that fit your lifestyle. And by Baptist Health, changing healthcare for good. It don't even matter who has the call. Just all 11 of us got to be, you know, in sync with the call, and we all got to focus in and haul in on our assignment, just what we plan on the back ends or, you know what I'm saying, what kind of stunt or whatever whatever we're doing in the front seven. So um, that's just something that we all just kind of over-communicate, and we preach that on a daily basis. And um, you can never have too much communication on the field, and we got to keep going with that. That's Caleb on Chazon spoke with the media today at TIAA Bank Field. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. Busy schedule at Daly's Place, Logs. Coming up tonight. Yes, tonight. Pitbull with Iggy Azalea. Just the start of, or actually continuing a busy stretch going on at Daly's Place these uh, weeks. But last week was busy again. But Pitbull tonight should be a... A well-attended show this evening at Daly's Place. And then uh, coming up just a little bit down the line here, it's uh, Three Doors Down on the 14th. you got the Jonas Brothers on the 15th, sold out. Tickets available for the rest at Daly'sPlace.com. Went to Alice Cooper last week, Saturday night. Did you go? Fantastic. Come on. Still has a fastball. Really? Yeah. Did the whole thing. How long did he play for? Um, An hour and a half. Like and uh, had an opening act. Ace Freely was the opener. I missed that. I who got was there. Ace Freely from Kiss? Really? Yeah, I missed that one. I got there in time for Alice. Um, Fantastic. Did, did Ace Freely join no, Alice Cooper no, no, and no, his no, stuff? No, no it was totally separate. It was the whole thing. They had the guillotine. They had the the dancing baby. They had Frankenstein walk out and feed my Frankenstein. The whole thing. everything. That's awesome. Swords and you know it was great. It was. I, sh- really I should have went to that one. Really good. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I went. So check it out. Did, go, how go was his voice? I mean, it's never he been sounds, great. No, but he sounds great. Like okay. he sounds just, just fine. Not like he had a great singing voice. It's different, but it's yeah. it sounds like Alice Cooper. Okay, that's good. And the band was fantastic. They, they are. He's got a. He's got some excellent musicians around him. So check out Daily's Play schedule coming up. Um, really, really good. It has been for the last couple of months, man. Just just packing them in there. They're continuing to do that. Back to Jaguars defense. We just heard from Caleb on there today. He's coming off arguably his best statistical game as a Jaguar. Six tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss, three quarterback hits, nearly had the sack fumble, but it was ruled incomplete or, or uh, reviewed and called incomplete. 
So Chason was making an impact in the game. There was one play he let the tight end get by him and score the touchdown. That's well, look, the one you know, little error Urban talked about. We've got a graphic up, and and for those that are listening on the radio, his his uh, stat total from the game against Tennessee nearly equals the stat total from the entire 2021 season. Or excuse me, 2020. If you go back, seriously, he if you go back and compare his 2020 numbers. Yeah. To what he did this year in this one game, I mean, it dramatically improved. I thought he was exceptional because he played with speed, he played with power, played a little bit of, had a little bit of nasty to him, but it wasn't perfect. When he starts talking about communication in his interview right there, he's one of the guilty parties of, of not having enough communication on the defensive side of the ball. Michael Pruitt's touchdown catch, you could see that there was – some communication going back and forth between him and Andrew Winger and trying to essentially say, I got this guy, you got that guy, or no, 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 I got this guy, you got that guy, ball snapped. And somewhere, Calevon uh, got lost in that communication with Wingard and did not cover Michael Pruitt, which is one of the plays which you know, the Tennessee Titan receiver or the tight end in this situation was wide open. Everybody's going, how can that happen? Yeah. Well, it was communication. So mm. something that needs to be cleaned up. But 3-4 defenses are all about the outside linebackers. Well, yeah, right? I mean, because they're it. doing a lot of different things. Well, I mean, it can be about the inside linebackers and the safeties. You go back to some of the great Pittsburgh Steelers defenses and, and everybody can make an impact. But – the people that affect the quarterback that you get off the field with are the guys on the outside. And uh, look at who's in Pittsburgh with T.J. Watt. And they had Bud Dupree on the opposite side there in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. for a few years, and they were impacting the game a lot. And so you hope that Kalevon can develop, that Josh Allen can get back to where he was a couple years ago. Because to be perfectly honest, neither one of these, these two guys have been great so far this year. Josh has just been okay. Kalevon really hasn't even been okay up until this point, but he had a good game. And I like it because a lot of times as a first-round pick, which is what he was last year, can feel the pressure. And when he gains a little bit of confidence and a taste of success, it can kind of steamroll a little bit and, and get better for him overall. So if they can get that performance week in and week out out of him, it would be tremendous. This is a Dolphins offense. There are questions at quarterback, of course. We'll get to those coming up. But they have some guys. They've got Gusecki at tight end. They've got Gaskin out of the backfield. They can dump it down to. They've got Waddle with the speed. First-round pick wide receiver. So they've got some pieces on offense. And <laughs> they can be a, a challenge if, you know, if there are still communication issues. Anybody can well, be a challenge. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, if you have communication issues, you can – have a big challenge facing anybody, but here's the reality. If you look at the Miami Dolphins offense in points scored, total yards per game, rushing yards per game, passing yards per game, they're all the bottom three in the National Football League. Yeah, well. That's the reality. And then if Tua comes back, great. I mean, how good was Tua when he was out on the field? Yeah, they they're, Not very good. Everybody's kind of down on two all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, the reality is, is that the rumors have been swirling for a long period of time about Deshaun Watson 
ending up with Miami and that, you know, this will they work it out? And the Miami Dolphins want him desperately, but they're not willing to pay the price yet. I mean, look, I mean, all those things exist because that means that they're not that excited about Tua. If they felt that good about Tua, that conversation wouldn't even be out there yeah. at all. About the Dolphins, right? The Jaguars have the bye week next week after the London game. The Dolphins' bye week is week 14. They've got to roll through all the way through December 5th as their last game before the bye. I mean, that's – So they come back they and come have back to get ready and, for a game. And they play at home next week against the Falcons. Well, the, the one good thing I, I will say about, about the London trip, because we've done it before. Yep. And um, the way that they are doing the schedule now to where you're flying out, and most teams now are flying out like on a Thursday, Thursday. – you get there on a Friday morning, you practice, you get a good night's sleep on Friday night, you get another good night's sleep on Saturday night. Don't take a nap when you get there. They mm-hmm. take them right to the practice field. Mm-hmm. Th- that formula seems to work, and they've done sleep studies and everything else to show that that's what's best. Since you play so early, you actually get home that night. Yeah. And so you're back in your bed on Sunday night. Now, now it's 2 in the morning, but yeah. It's late. Yeah. Okay. Now, would would you need maybe a little bit more rest, JP? It's a it's a heck of a lot better than turning around from Sunday game on the road and playing on a Thursday night game, which oh, teams sure. do all the time. That's true. So, is it that much to ask for a team to come back and to play a game well, at home on a return from London? I don't think it's that much right. of an ask. Well, I guess my kind of my point with bringing that up with Miami is that there's no natural off bye week to address the quarterback thing if they wanted to make a move and do that. You know what I mean? Like, there's a game every week, and they're just going to have to go after it whenever they feel like it's time, if if they feel like it's time. I wish the Jaguars had the bye week later. I mean, I – It's going to be a long stretch of the end. I'll say that. That Yes. That's a marathon now. I mean, it's – you you always like to have the bye week really to fall – Right in the middle of the season, somewhere, well, and we've usually, I mean, we've usually had the London game about week seven or eight, and then the bye week right after. So it's naturally kind of been that way. It's just a little earlier this year. Let's come back in, in just a few minutes. We'll get into the Miami Dolphins defense, see what they have to offer. I know you've done your deep dive into the Dolphins take. I wouldn't say deep, but I've looked at them a little <laughs> you bit. Dove in. We'll see. You're, you're wading into the Dolphins tape. <laughs> I've studied them a little okay, bit, good. and uh, we'll study them more as the we week will. goes on. Well, we, we will, and we'll discuss all that when we return. Check out the official Jaguars podcast network on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Hard Rock Sportsbook Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour and Jaguars Game Day broadcasts are presented by Star Credit Union. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, glad you're along with us this afternoon at 5 o'clock. It's the Urban Meyer Show with the Jaguars head coach joining us as we get ready for week six. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, North London. And the Jaguars' first visit to that fairly new stadium, a couple years old now. The Jaguars' previous London games, of course, have been played at Wembley this is under the NFL's umbrella this year and uh, helping fulfill that uh, two-game agreement there for the league at Spurs. So it's uh, week two of the London series this year, the 30th all-time London game in the international series for the National Football League. And they've actually announced uh, earlier today that there are three cities in Germany vying for an opportunity to host NFL games in the future, and uh, Frankfurt, Dusseldorf, and Munich. 
are the um, three. So we'll see. Frankfurt would be – I just remember the uh, NFL Europe, and I, I called a game in, in Berlin, and that was a, a great experience. But I do remember the one thing about NFL Europe. Frankfurt fans were absolutely fanatical about their team. I mean, they traveled and everything. Yeah. That was like the best traveling NFL Europe team that there was, I think, and uh, pretty cool. So Frankfurt would be a good place, but who knows? Yeah, so uh, I think it's a big weekend because I, – I wouldn't put it in Berlin, though. <laughs> well, no, Berlin's not among the, te- uh, the yeah. cities that are vying for it. Yeah. So there has to be a partnership between the league and the cities, and, and they want that to really be a, a true partnership. So uh, the process continues, and maybe as early as next season – but maybe 2023, you could have a game in Germany or more. Uh, mm-hmm. Who knows? But uh, let's uh, let's get to the Dolphins' defense. Christian Wilkins is there, former first-round pick out of Clemson, a teammate with um, Trevor back on the championship team, by the way. Um, you know, has a sack, four tackles for loss, four hits on the quarterback mm-hmm. this year. I mean, what 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 stands out about this Dolphins' defense? I just started with him because he's a first-round pick and. Went to Clemson. I mean, right. what, what else do they offer on defense? I mean, they're very average, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, the, the two categories that you always look at when you start, when I start the evaluation process before I even start breaking down the film because I want to see where they're at statistically because it, it never – that doesn't tell all the story, but at least it gives you – Go where to start. An idea of yeah. kind of where to look at and yeah. say, okay, well, they're deficient in this area, so let's take a look at this, okay. But points allowed in, in total defense, they're, they're 30th in both categories, and that's not a good number, obviously. So the, the way they've impacted the quarterback is not great. They don't have a ton of sacks. Uh, the, the one player that I will say that is awesome, and I don't even have to look at the film because his past production has been amazing, which is their corner, Xavier Howard. Mm. And Trevor better be careful if he's throwing it around him because he is an absolute – interception machine uh, but they've got a lot of high picks and guys that I mean they've been trying to build this football team through the draft and and obviously Brian Flores is a disciple of Bill Belichick and he believes in drafting to develop and they've got a general manager that believes in the same thing the problem is is that they they right now don't appear to be developing the, yeah the drafting part's there the developing is the second now, last part. year they played well <laughs> I don't know what's happened to them, but uh, the the play the quarterback obviously has had a, had a big impact. But defensively, they're just they're not even average. And so this is a great opportunity for this Jaguars football team because they have questions on offense and questions at the quarterback position. And then defensively, they're not great. And obviously, Tom Brady just absolutely boat raced them. Yep, five touchdown passes. And I, he was. And I've watched some of the film, and it was it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I mean, God is 44 years old and he's standing back in the pocket and he's throwing just BBs. I mean, BBs. He's got man coverage and, of course, probably a mistake to play Tampa and man because they have a lot of talent and they have more talent because their quarterback is so daggum good. Right. And he, they get, they get, that much separation, separation between wide receiver and defensive back, and Tom Brady's feet, like yeah, zip, two feet right, right over, in there, right over, no problem. Yeah, so helps when you have Mike Evans game. and Antonio Brown and those guys running around to help you. But uh, I'm with you. That's that's how they 
that got carved up a little bit last week. If you're the Jaguars' offense this week, how many touches are you giving James Robinson if you're Daryl Bevel? I think a lot of it depends on the success of the offense overall. And I, th- I think that's certainly – I mean, in a perfect world, you'd love to have James Robinson with 20, 25 touches. 20, 25 touches, 20 rushes on the ground, let's say four or five receptions, somewhere in that range. And that's – he hasn't been there yet. But you also have to have success as an offense to be able to put plays together to get them to those types of numbers. And right now the offense is not doing a great job on third down production. So that's also limiting the number of plays that you get as an offense. They're 29th in the league at third down production. And you've got a young quarterback whose completion rate is not great. And he's working on that. So – yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, 25. But can you get there? Right. It's been a it's been a chore to get him even close to there. He hasn't really been close to there yet this season. Now, we just showed a graphic on Jaguars.com. After Monday night's game, he's now moved down to tied 12th in the league in rushing attempts, 67 of those this year. But fourth in the league in rushing yardage, 387 yards on the ground. Last week was his career game against Tennessee in terms of yardage. He had a 58-yard run in there. That was his career-long run. Couldn't finish it, unfortunately. That was, that's been the storyline with Robinson early in his career. But, uh, you know, they didn't give him the ball a lot in the second half, though, and that's really been a talking point this week. Well, I mean, look, the, one of the reasons why they, they drafted Travis Etienne was because of the play that we're seeing in our television right now that James Robinson got caught from behind. If that's Travis Etienne, he's not caught. And so you, you try to get as much speed on the field as you can, but you can't ignore the production of James Robinson, even though even though he does not have elite speed. I mean, I'll take 5.8 yards of carry every day of the week. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, a, he's an outstanding back. We're actually going to look at the play that we're looking at now, the 58-yard run on Jags Wired, I oh, believe. Oh, yeah. Here uh, we go. Or Jaguars All Access. One, we're of, looking, one of the above. One of those two shows we're, because we're looking at – that run, and then we're also looking at Trevor Lawrence's four-yard touchdown run and how angles and numbers always factor into successful play calls. Sources say it's Jaguars all-access you'll be looking at that. At the James Robinson run. Yes. Yes. There's so many. You, you, you dig into so much film and tape <laughs> that it's hard to keep it all together. It's a, it's a, it's a really, gr- really neat blocking scheme <laughs> on that James Robinson run. Not to get too technical, but just a little teaser. But if, if you watch it on Jags Wired, you'll learn about combo blocks. And combo blocks means that you're using a combination of two people, of your people, to block two of theirs. So it's a pretty cool concept. All right. Two guys blocking one and then opening up. No, two, two guys, guys blocking two. And two. it's just sorry, sometimes it depends on how they move as to who blocks who. So you'll learn about that. All right. I'll have to watch. Well, maybe I'll learn something. I think you might. I think I will. Maybe. Who knows? But you're sometimes hard-headed. You might not learn. Oh, I'll learn. Good. I like I, it. I'm, I'm here to learn. You're coachable. Always, man. <laughs> Always getting better. That's how it works. But I love I love James Robinson. I do. I think I think the, the disappointing thing for me in that ball game. And I totally understand that, you know, you're trying to rotate guys, keep them fresh, keep them strong. Defensive line, obviously, that goes without saying. And also running back that, you know, well, you would like to the more, especially the more plays you get as an offense. But in the second half where James was being rested and Carlos Hyde was on the field and then you had that big, long play to LaVisca, 58 yards. 
and then you had a situation where you got first and goal at the five, I was sitting there going, okay, put James in. What's wrong with him? Is, is something wrong? I mean, that's this game is about players and having your best players in the best position to win. And I believe that James Robinson should have been on the field on first and goal from the five. He's arguably your best player. And he, he is, was he out of gas at he, that point? No, down no, no, no. He he had been out for like four okay. plays, and then also, yeah, all right. The uh, Titans' offense was on the field, so it wasn't like that he was like gassed. Not, he just he he had not run for fifty eight just then. No, yeah, right. So because he's your best running back, and when you get in a scoring position, get your best players out there and execute and. He didn't, he wasn't given that opportunity, and that that was disappointing to me. When we come back, we will uh, touch on the Dolphins' quarterback situation: Jacoby Brissett, Tua Tungavailoa, or others. We'll get to the Baptist Health injury report and take a look at the AFC South as well. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. No wonder it's the official truck of the NFL and proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Hard Rock Sportsbook Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday afternoon. It's week six. The Jaguars are headed to London to face the Miami Dolphins at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's a 2.30 London time kickoff. That's 9.30 in the morning here. We'll be on the air at 6.30 a.m. with the Public Sailgate Show. Coffee time. That's an early wake up. Yes, it is. So we'll, I don't uh, mind. we'll be here doing it. Um... Doing the public tailgate. That show. might be a thermos game. A thermos game. Yeah, you bring a thermos of coffee in, on top of just my normal just coffee. Cup. Just coffee. Just coffee. Okay, good. Just making just sure. Just coffee and uh, and you're buying breakfast, right? Uh, allegedly, I am. <laughs> uh, veterans choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Let's get now to the Baptist Health Injury Report. Changing healthcare for good. And today, unfortunately, Brandon Linder placed on injured reserve. You don't have to designate if it's for the year or not. Urban Meyer Monday said it could be four to five weeks uh, with a high ankle issue. Well, he said they, they're looking to get him back. Yeah. When he the, talked to the media the other day, he yeah. said, you know, we, we think we can get him back. So that, that's a good thing. Right. So there's, Will that happen or not? I mean, you know, the only time we'll will see. tell. But, you know, their hope is that they can get him back. He also said Monday that um, Tyson Campbell, rookie corner, is day-to-day. We'll see how the week goes with him with the toe. He missed last week's game. He tested the he tested the, foot, the toe out because it's a toe. He tested the toe out before the game, and, and I watched the warm-up that he was having with the medical people and his position coach, or actually it was actually the safeties coach, because the cornerback's coach was out with COVID for that game. And you could you could clearly see that he wasn't he was not ready. Yeah. And will he be ready this week? Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Miles Jack uh, came out with what was called a hip issue, but Urban said on Monday it was an oblique. Same thing. See how the week goes with him and and move on. Yeah. Here, here's one thing I think that you kind of consider too, is that you have a bye week next week. So with some of these injured guys. 
you can say, okay, there's two ways to look at it. One is is to say, well, if we if he plays, well, then he's got you know a whole week off and and can rest, et cetera. The other philosophy is, hey, look, if if he rests this game, and then he gets the bye week, then maybe we can put some of this injury business behind him. Yeah, right. And that he'll be fine for the rest of the season. So there's kind of two ways to look at that. And if it's a, something that you can avoid it being nagging, then you go ahead and try to not have the player play in this game because you're going to get the additional time off because of the bye week. Let's take a look at the AFC South standings, as gruesome as they are right now. Ugh. Tennessee 3-2, and two, Houston 1-4, and four, Indy 1-4 and four after their loss last night. They uh, lost a three-score lead in the second half. And then the Jaguars at 0-5 at the bottom. Let's uh, take a look now at the uh, results from the weekend. Of course, we know what the Titans did here, 37-19. Patriots over the Texans. But Davis Mills had a uh, pretty good game, actually. Three touchdowns for the rookie quarterback, 21 of 29. And then Lamar Jackson was fantastic for the Ravens last night in a rally, 442 yards. <laughs> 85% passing, four touchdowns. That's unbelievable. And Carson Wentz was good, too, on the other side now, over 400 yards Yeah, himself. but he wasn't Lamar wasn't Jackson. Lamar. I, when I went to sleep, the Colts had a comfortable lead. I wake up, and Clay's Campbell, Lamar Jackson are being talked about. I'm like, so, uh-oh. Calais had a blocked field goal. That, it would, that field goal would have made it a two-score game and pretty much iced the game. He blocks the field goal. They go down and score the game-tying touchdown after the, on the drive after. It was unbelievable. And, and here, here's, here's the crazy thing. You couldn't be happier for him. I oh, loved it. Love the guy. Love it. Love the guy, total pro. He's, he played here for three seasons, and I was thinking about this after he blocked the field goal last night. He is – He's fourth in franchise history in sacks. I mean, and he was the Walter Payton Man of the Year, first team All Pro, went to the Pro Bowl. Like he's one of the all time great Jaguars in just three seasons here. Yeah, he's one of those guys that I just, I just wish there was a way that you could have found to keep him, find a way to keep him. I mean, but just the guys like that, I mean, are great examples for everybody that comes in the door, and for young players to come in and learn from. I mean, Josh Allen had. And he'll look back at this, and I know he greatly appreciates the time that he was able to spend with Calais Campbell, and you just wish that you had more other young, other young players to be able to have that benefit as well. But, I mean, it's, it's a game and it's a business, and you know, money's a factor. Totally understand all those things. But there's also there's certain things that you just you can't put a number on. And you've got to have guys that can, can show you the way. Because that's so important in this league because it's it's a tough league. Yeah. If he would have played in that defensive scheme the Jaguars had in those three years, his whole career, and put up the numbers, an average number, you know, ten double-digit he's looking at the Hall of Fame. He's a bit yeah, shy well, statistically yeah. down, but well, he's, he's come on late. He also developed – I mean, he just continued to develop as he was a player. Yeah. And he was stuck, a little bit stuck – in a scheme that played a, a true 3-4 that didn't take advantage of some of his skill set as a defensive end. Yeah, in Arizona, right. And, wow. I mean, when – Got here. I'll just, I'll just never forget the first time that he gets in a live game and you go, oh, <laughs> my it's goodness. It's different. He was so powerful that even the strongest guards in the league couldn't stop him. 
it was like a a barge or a big ship coming into port yeah. and it and it's out of control and it just it just plows through everything and that's how he was. Yeah. It wasn't like he's just some big fat guy running through. He has that he's six eight, he's got leverage and he's just stout. I mean it's just I can a tell hard you, handle. I've never I've never felt there's only a couple guys that I've ever felt small around. <laughs> right. I mean I you know six six, you know, six five and a half, you're somewhere six, in that range. Six, you're not six six. Six five and a half. Stop it. That's not yeah. six six. Six five and a half. It's not okay. six six though. Don't get don't you don't round up. Either you are or you aren't six well, six. Well, at one time I measured six six. <laughs> okay, you're you're getting a little older now. When you, you get older, you, you actually shrink a when you get bit. older. That's there's truth to that. Okay. But there's only a couple guys that I have ever felt small around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking like felt small. Two specifically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Baselli was eh, not really. John Ogden was one. Mm. When you stand next to John Ogden, you feel like you are a midget compared to him. I mean, just like small, skinny, everything about yeah, him. Right. And then the other one was Calais. Because, I mean, here's a guy, I mean, it's just physically bigger than you. <laughs> and just, and it's not like they're pumped up. You know, what I mean by pumped up is that there's a lot of guys that, I'll give, give an example. Um, the offensive lineman that, that plays for the, the Buccaneers now, Josh, uh, played here for a number of years, 72. Josh oh, Wells. Wells. Wellsy. Yeah, Wellsy, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wellsy's a guy kind of was like me, you know, kind of a skinny kid, and then he lifted weights, and he would eat a lot of sandwiches and <laughs> drink protein shakes and lift more weights and do all that stuff to get big. Clay's was just big. Yeah. <laughs> John Ogden, yeah. I mean – his poor mom and dad that had to feed him. Oh my God! Yeah, large. We're just just naturally big people. Mm-hmm. Six eight, about three fifteen, three twenty, and, and Calais and is the classiest. Yeah, one of the classiest guys I've ever met. And there, and there, there's and there's there's guys in the category. And and I think of Calais Campbell, Daryl Smith, Mercedes Lewis. I mean, great Jaguars that had. A class about them. I mean, I'm talking total pros, great examples to the young players. And there's other guys that I played with that were that were great players, and and they had to learn that. But I mean, these guys when they came in the door, that's how they were wired, and it's uh, it was impressive to be around those three guys, and I appreciated them uh, for everything that they contributed to the organization. And I think all three of their times were cut short here a little too early. All right, final thoughts about this game coming up Sunday. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The Jaguars have dropped their last two trips to London. They lost to the Eagles in 2018. They lost to the Texans in 2019. They were blown out by the Texans. They turned the ball over the last four possessions of that game, in fact, against the Texans' defense that day. And, of course, the London game was not played last year. The Jags all-time 3-4 and four at Wembley. They're playing at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against the Miami Dolphins team. And really, both teams are up against it. They need a win in the worst way. The Jaguars have dropped 20 straight. That's the third longest losing skid in league history. The Dolphins have dropped four straight after winning their opener. They've got quarterback questions. Uh, If you're the Jaguars, which Dolphins quarterback would you rather face Sunday? Brissett or Tua? Uh, I mean, that's an interesting question, Brissett. I mean, neither one of them have played exceptionally well. The mobility of Tua would be a concern for me. 
Brissett's more of a classic, stay in the pocket. Uh, he's got good arm, and and uh, I don't think he's I don't think he's a great franchise type quarterback, but I think he has some some skills that that he's a really good backup at times. But I just the, the unknown with Tua and the mobility factor, if he has that, that adds another element for the Jaguars' defense to contend with. And we've seen the Jaguars have a hard time stopping quarterbacks that can extend plays and having issues with that. That would concern me with Tua. Not that he's going to be able to do it. I know, I know you love him, JP, because no, no, he's an well, Alabama guy. That doesn't matter anymore. But, like, he, you know, if he's in there, but you've got to go you, hit him because he's got rib issues. I can tell you this. If he's in there, you are taking every shot that you possibly Absolutely. can take at him yeah. and then some. And then, and, and, and I hate to say this, but I would even be taking borderline shots. Oh, boy, here we go. Don't say that. We're legal I, over I, here. I we're legal over here. I would. Well, you might, but we're, we're legal over here, these Jaguars. I mean, look, it's, it's uh, you know, if you, if you can make them think about it a little bit, what's wrong with that? We'll see how, how healed these ribs really are. Well, I look, it, and you, you better get around his ribs. I mean, first of all, you got to get around it. So that means you got to beat somebody. True. We've had some issues on that front. But time to time. if you're Caleb on Chazon or Josh Allen, and when you have an opportunity and you're closing in from behind, them arms are coming in shoulder, going right in them rib section. That'll do it for Jaguars Happy Hour coming up on the Jaguars Radio Network. It's the Urban Meyer Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach, recap last week's game, look ahead to the London matchup for the Jaguars against the Miami Dolphins. That's coming up in just a few moments. In fact, this has been Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Hard Rock Sportsbook Digital Network.